Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Indy, what's going on? It's 1 o'clock. Charlie Clifford's here. Marlon Jackson is back. Parker in the house. Jimmy Cook as well. Right now, the Mower Shop hotline buzzing. Thanks to Kevin Bowen. You listen to Kevin and Query every morning. Kevin, thanks for hopping on and starting the weekend with us. Look, it's been a bit underwhelming around here with the coaching search. People are very frustrated. Jeff Saturday still remains the odds-on favorite in terms of the the, the wagers in Vegas. Um, Raheem Morris is in today. However, I would like to start with a quick thought of something you touched on this morning. Frank Reich, one of the three coaches fired during the middle of the season, the first coach hired in 2023, your sense of the relief and also the decision from Carolina to go with its first quarterback in franchise history. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Yeah, and uh, I didn't realize the first offensive coach they've ever had uh, in the hmm. history of their uh, franchise as well. Uh, I think they have kind of followed the same boat here as uh, we have uh, locally in terms of just a ton of quarterback turnover, of course, uh, in recent years. Yeah, definitely happy for, for, for Frank. I know how much Charlotte and that Charlotte is a city and how much that franchise means to him. You know, it's where his family often resides, where several of his daughters, if not all of them, I think, um, live so I, I totally understand what Carolina was doing in this. They obviously are the goal is kind of pairing a young quarterback um, with Frank Reich. I think it's the thought there. They've got the ninth overall pick, so I'll be really curious to see. You know, does Frank Reich have intel on what Chris Ballard likes at quarterback? Does Chris Ballard have intel on what Frank Reich likes at quarterback? Mm. If Carolina comes trading up. I think that's kind of a fun storyline to watch over the next few months. But uh, you know, we, we, there's plenty of history around the league, and you guys both know this of. You know, coaches getting a second chance and it working out really well. I think if Carolina has great success there, I don't think that all of a sudden means that Frank Reich shouldn't have been let go here. I think it reached a point in time where it made sense for that to happen. Um, but I think Frank is, I think Frank is a pretty good coach, and I think he can have some uh, some good success there. Raheem Morris is here today. Legitimate chance that he's at a podium as early as late next week here, Kevin Bowen. Do you think this is? This is a very realistic thing. Yeah, um, I do. I do think it's a very realistic thing. Yeah, timing-wise, 
That's a good question. I think a lot will depend on what happens in this weekend's games and the amount of interest that you have in some of those coaches. Um, you know, as far as Morris is concerned, I think the biggest question that really none of us can answer is, you know, how open-minded will Jim Irsay be to really any candidate? But I think in particular Morris, because um, I do think uh, there's a lot of reasons to like him. I think Chris Ballard um, is fond of him as well. Uh, you know, it's a very unique resume in that of all the candidates left, not counting Jeff Saturday, I mean, he's the only one with head coaching experience in the league. Right. But that experience came mm-hmm. over a decade ago. Yep. Um, I think his comments about what he's learned from Tampa is pretty enlightening. I mean, he's 32 years old. <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> at 32 years old being hired to be an NFL head coach. And, you know, in that second season, they won double-digit games. It's not like it was just a total abomination. Uh, when he was the interim for Atlanta a few years ago when Dan Quinn got fired, you know, he, he – Studied the ship, you know, better than what it was when he took over. I think they were zero and five when he took over, and they won four games the rest of the way. So, uh, again, I, I think there's a lot to like about Morris. You know, obviously his history is primarily on the defensive side. He actually was an offensive coach for a few years in Atlanta, which I think is a bit of an intel into how Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan uh, at the time viewed him as a coach. It's mm-hmm. like, hey. You know, it's not necessarily he's got this great offensive mind. It's the fact that he connects with players, and we feel good enough about our talent in that room. We just need a guy that can connect with players and kind of guide them, um, and he did that for a couple of years. You know, obviously any candidate that comes to the defensive side of the ball, given the offensive questions here, that will be a question that's brought up in an interview. The fact that Raheem Morris comes from a Shanahan family, Sean McVay, recently tree you would think he's been exposed to quite a few offensive you know great minds and certainly you know whatever principles and systems etc um so yeah i think there's there's a lot to like about him so i I would ask right now kevin who's who's your front runner and why well i i would still love to see Demico ryan's get a look um he's to me the the candidate that stands out the most um you know as far as why I'd put San Francisco's defense right up there with any unit in the league, either side of the ball, that has been consistent amidst injuries, amidst turnover over the last couple of seasons. Um, You know, to me, I don't think we give, like, middle linebackers enough credit in their minds. I think Charlie and I had this conversation last week. I mean, if you walk in that Colts locker room and you talk about a cerebral player, you're not getting very far on the list before you name Zaire Franklin. He might be a top (laughs) list. And I think D'Amico Ryans, given that position that he played, he, he has that. I mean, there's some great stories from coaches um, who coach Ryans where, you know, basically it was like we had one game plan if D'Amico was healthy and we had another game plan if he was <laughs> He could just – he could handle more. Um, there was a really cool story about Wade Phillips taking the job during the lockout, and he was able to meet, I think, with Ryans, but he, he couldn't meet with the whole team. And, and Ryans then had to kind of take – what he learned from Phillips and then explain it to you know, all of his teammates during the lockout. Um, again, that's a guy that clearly you trust. Clearly he's an incredible football mind, all of those things. And I think his personality is like a nice, consistent demeanor, but knows when to kind of rev it up when it's needed as well. So uh, it's complicated because they didn't interview him originally. Demico right. Ryan's is a very coveted candidate, Denver and and Houston, where he played as a player for a long time, they got that initial interview. And just with how the NFL rules work, which is a whole other story, the Colts can't talk to him now until 
San Francisco's season is over. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. So, in my opinion, uh, the Nick Sirianni rooting interest for Colts fans should be high on Sunday. Again, I'm not acting like Ryan's will all of a sudden look at the job here in Indy, and that would rise to the list because I think he's a big-time candidate in Denver and Houston. Uh, but I think he's the guy that you should talk to. The other name I'd throw out there, um, it'd probably be some sort of top three of Ryan's, Brian Callahan, and Raheem Morris. I, I just think, again, given the quarterback nature to this puzzle, Brian Callahan's relationship and history with quarterbacks in this league uh, kind of speaks for itself. And right up there with San Francisco's defense over the past few years, you would say that Cincinnati's offense has been one of the more consistent units as well. I'm glad you pointed out the the numbers on defense of the defensive names that are still alive in this search. Wink Martindale, Ejero, Ivero of Denver, and then here with D'Amico Ryan's San Francisco top five unit unquestioned the past two years. What he has to point to on paper is better than what he's up against from a defensive standpoint. And that would include Raheem Morris out in Los Angeles as well. You pointed out the domino effect that we're waiting on here. Very crucial at this point, the next decision. And I, for me, Kevin, it's going to start with what Sean Payton decides to do. He met with the Cardinals yesterday. It feels like now he's, I would assume, back at home mulling Marlon Jackson. Whether is it time to get back in? Is one of these opportunities the right thing for me? Or do I wait out a year? Let's say Sean Payton decides at this point in the process, since he hasn't said yes to anyone yet, I'm going to park it on Fox's set for one more year. To me, D'Amico Ryans instantly becomes the favorite in Denver. Do you believe the Colts could realistically swoop in at this point and lure him here of all places? Uh, to me, that seems like a complete long shot, potentially on paper. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, I would agree with you. I mean, if you're a Colts okay. fan, l- looking at it from, from that, I think part of it is just a little bit of what the Colts have created for themselves, kind of the bed that they've made for themselves, if you will, just with some in of terms. the issues organizationally. Right now, um, I think it's a reason why Sean Payton, you know, maybe looked at things here and was like, "Yeah, I don't what, know about that." He made a statement, right? Didn't, didn't he make a statement, kind of to that effect, in terms of the leadership, ownership has right. to be right, the, right? The the circumstances have to be correct for him to actually be interested in that in an organization that he goes to. Yeah, he he, he was pretty public with that. Um, and again, I'm not acting like Sean Payton would be some slam dunk, and you would give up the farm to trade for him. Sure. Like that's the thing with him. Some questions. Too, but it's an acknowledgement of, and again, I get why D'Amico Ryan's wanted to meet with Denver and Houston ahead of Indianapolis and Arizona, but it's just a realization of kind of where you're at in the pecking order. Um, and like you mentioned, Charlie, with now Carolina off the list, you're down to four openings. 
to me, Sean Payton and D'Amico Ryans are those dominoes because Ryans is being coveted heavily in Houston, seems to be heavily in Denver. Sean Payton, I believe, met with Arizona again, and then Denver has been popular there. Arizona has a little bit, honestly, kind of like the Colts so far, they have have got a little bit of a defensive flavor to their candidates not named Payton. Uh, Aaron Glenn is interviewed there. Um, Jero Evero, who also is interviewed here, Brian Flores, and honestly, he's a name that I, I would have liked to have seen the Colts uh, yeah, interview. Agree, uh, agree. But I, I mentioned it earlier today. I mean, I, I, I understand why you wouldn't have done it last year, but when he got fired in Miami, I thought, boy, let's move Frank Reich, the offense coordinator, and bring Brian Brian Flores here. <laughs> you know, with kind of some shaky moments from two of those first couple seasons. I mean, they won nine and ten games, um, so uh, that is a name that I'm a little bit surprised we haven't seen more of. I understand whatever legally, off the field, whatever, but the fact that the team is comfortable at least interviewing him a couple times clearly shows you they're not too worried about it. Uh, but, yeah, I would say, to your point, would Ryan's have major interest in the Colts compared to the other openings? Probably not. I think the hope there is you know, Denver goes in a Sean Payton direction and Maybe Houston shocks everybody and goes with like Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator. Before we take a look at championship weekend, Kevin Bowen of Kevin and Query on with us on the mower shop from Fisher's hotline. Marlon Jackson, whomever it is, will have decisions to make with personnel and potentially moving up in the draft order by sacrificing veteran talent that's already under contract on this roster. Marlon Jackson, when you look at players that are already having conversations with their agents knowing they may be headed out this offseason in exchange for for moving up the draft board or whatever else, who are some names that potentially are, are likely mulling this behind the scenes? Uh, well, I think I look first at the defensive line. And, you know, you have Grover Stewart, you have DeForest Buckner, um, where you have two quality interior defensive linemen like those two – that creates a lot of value. And, and if you you need to utilize pieces to be able to position yourself to get the young quarterback that you need, those will be two valuable pieces in, in my mind, especially being that, you know, the Chicago Bears right now, right? You know, former defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus is now the head coach there. He's super familiar with both of these individuals. And then with the coach, from the coach side of things, you know, you know, who's the most expensive, right? Who's expendable right now? Who's the, who has the value in terms of savings when it comes to dollars? Um, and then that, that leaves me at maybe DeForest Buckner may be a guy that the coast maybe looks look into possibly trading to move up in the draft. It would be a significant removal from the Colts locker room. Kevin Bowen, where are you at on this subject? Yeah, I mean, those are all names that I've thought about. Um you know, a contract that would be pretty easy to move. It's not like the greatest cap savings in the world. I think it's the rest guaranteed. But, you know, Kenny Moore is a free agent after this coming season. So, you know, that would be, I think, enticing to another team. Um, you know, obviously from a value standpoint, Buckner would have a whole lot of value to other teams. I also think he still has a lot of value here. Exactly, so, yep. You know, that, that, that's obviously the give and take that you run into. In an ideal world, Shaquille Leonard would be a little bit easier to move. But contractually and medically – um, there are some big time reservations with that. Yes, medically. I think something. Yeah, yeah. So certainly, I, I think something to worth worth pointing out, like with um, Jero Evero as a candidate, we're seeing Wink Martindale's name as the second interview. In Evero's case, it's a three four defense. So if he were to get the job here, you'd be undergoing a pretty notable change defensively. 
And anytime there's a change in personnel, I mean, hell, Marlon has seen this firsthand, but <laughs> I mean, I, I think we saw it with the Bears. We saw it from Ryan Grigson to Chuck Pagano. When you make a notable change personnel, system-wise, that coach or the personnel people are going to come in and look at the contracts and look at the values and say, well, that guy doesn't fit our system at that, at that value. You know, there are always man cornerbacks versus zone cornerbacks, you know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things, and how guys are looked at around the league. So if an Evero gets hired and it's a 3-4, or a Martindale gets hired, and while it is kind of a four-man front, at times, you know, it, well, I shouldn't even say at times, it's a super, super aggressive defense that plays a lot differently than how the Colts have played in recent years. You could see changes there just in how coaches uh, view, you know, the players that they have and the contractual value. Yannick Ngakwe is a perfect example. You know, he's, what, 230 pounds soaking wet, but in Gus Bradley's defense and that Leo rush position, that Gus calls it, he finds a lot of value in a right. guy like Ngakwe, where if Matt Eberflus was still here, I don't think Ngakwe ever would have been seriously looked at. We're transitioning to the teams that are actually still playing this weekend. Kevin, before we get you out of here, Joe Burrow just spoke before departing Cincinnati for Kansas City. He was asked, what do you do on the team plane flying over knowing the Super Bowl trip is on the line? He said a little Super Smash Bros is uh, is his go-to <laughs> potentially. Joe Burrow's ascension, Kevin Bowen, three and zero. Excuse me, five and one in the postseason. He is on the cusp of becoming uh, the quarterback tied for the most wins in postseason play through three seasons. He would tie Russell Wilson with six through three. Your thoughts about the story in the AFC? Let's face it, the Colts are a country mile away from these two. It looks at the moment. And here we are with a rematch in a budding rivalry that has all the makings of Manning, Brady, with two quarterbacks that appear to be viable for the next decade. Yeah, you know, at times Burrow might rub some people the wrong way, but boy, does he just have a confidence that clearly you see with his play on the field. Um, and has gotten an organization that uh, road play- playoff wins in general, particularly road playoff wins, don't happen very often for the Bengals. And if you look at the run, you know, they've made the last two years, they've done it and they've done it away from home. Um, so that's what stands out to me. I, I do think their defense has taken another step this year, which I think was a big question mark entering the season. I mean, I was so impressed by him last week in Buffalo. I, I thought he had such control of the game. Yeah. Realized he was dealing with the patchwork offensive line, got the ball out quick. I mean, yeah, he's blessed with some unbelievable weapons and they're very deep. And that's probably a thing to kind of take away for the Colts. You look at all four of these teams left. I mean, they are just loaded at the skill groups and versatile weapons. I think that's something to point out as well. I mean, guys that can line up in the backfield, line up as a receiver, tight ends that you can move all over the field. Just such a great luxury to have. Uh, but yeah, Cincinnati, they just carry a different persona than I, I remember them having, or at least that's that quarterback. I mean, <laughs> that's that guy, Joey B. Come on, Marvin. Joey B. Marvin Lewis is out there saying, "Are you kidding me? This is this is what it's become." Right. It would have been a very uptight with Mar- Marvin Lu- Marvin Lewis, right? That swagger that, that Joey brings to the table. That's that's interesting. Though. I heard I heard you say that like some people he rubs people the wrong way, and I was like, what, "Well, what is it? About, what about him that rubs the confidence?" Right. Like that's well, you I think want it, that in every athlete. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think it's jealousy from other fans. You know, <laughs> you would love it 
if he was your quarterback. If he's your guy. But you don't love it because, it's you know. It's the Cartier glasses, <laughs> right? The refund of tickets and, you know. Oh, that was classic. Here there. But again, I mean, like that organization, and I mean, hell, you could argue the Colts need a little bit of that jolt yes. right now. Yes. You, you think? Need, especially from that position. I mean, just look at the quarterbacks that Marvin Lewis had. Now, you know, unfortunately, Carson Palmer went down early in that playoff game against Pittsburgh. But, you know, Andy Dalton, I don't think we would describe in that light. And, I mean, ironically, if nice you look guy. At the Colts, yep. in their last home playoff win, it came against the Cincinnati team with Andy Dalton and just a team that really couldn't score a whole lot. So, uh, you know, again, everything about Cincinnati makes me think they've got more than a legit shot on uh, on Sunday. I need some crystal ball here from both of you. Who is advancing to Phoenix? Who plays for it all? Uh, I am going Eagles, Bengals, uh, Marlon Jackson. Go. Uh, San Francisco, Cincinnati. Okay. Kevin? Boy, I can just feel Jimmy Cook right now. <laughs> is he is he boiling over there, Kevin, or what? He uh, is boiling. I was shaking my head, shaking my head left and right. Uh, I'm glad that I'm on the phone uh, because I do agree with Charlie Clifford. Uh, I, I will go with Philly and I will go with Cincinnati. It is not to get too in, in the weeds of it. I'm sure Jimmy will probably coming up around 2:45. But I mean, if you look at like the Vegas odds. I mean, nothing separates these four teams. No, very yep. little. No, I mean, great matchups. Awesome. Separates the matchups, um, it, which I love. I mean, you know, if you don't have rooting interest from a personal team, you know, you, your city, et cetera, you want great games. And yep. we got it in the wild card round. We didn't get it in the divisional round on paper. We should get it on Sunday. And you could talk me into any of these four. I'm not sitting here asking like, I know it's tough. Cincinnati is a slam dunk, but I just hope they live up to, you know, what we think they are, at least on paper. A2, Brute? <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that Jimmy would be would be chiming in there. I, I <laughs> One thing that I will say about the Chiefs that, again, where Mahomes and how he looks, and I know we're going off of, like, kind of like cryptic videos over the past week, but ankle. if he all of a sudden looks a little bit better than – what we all kind of assumed maybe exiting Sunday's game, then obviously that is a huge difference. I just worry, you know, is that loss of Tyreek Hill, it, is it just playing with fire in these moments? And now the stage is bigger. I mean, Jacksonville is knocking on the door for a late fourth quarter lead. You know, now does Cincinnati just have a little bit more firepower? And can they take away Kelsey, which is easier said than done? With all due respect to the great Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, Beat Pat Mahomes on a bad wheel at Arrowhead. Why can't Joe Burrow do it, Jimmy Cook? (laughs) (laughs) He's mute. He's mute. Kevin Bowen on the Motor Shop from Fisher's Hotline. KB, a fantastic weekend ahead, we hope, and uh, looking forward to hearing you on Monday, all right? Fun listen, guys. Have a great weekend. (laughs) Jimmy Cook is about to leave this studio in protest, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all, Marlon hey, Jackson. It, hey, man, it's, I've heard it's, his feelings. It's tough. Today. It is it is tough to pick this weekend's games. Like as, as much as I, I love, I'm a fan. Patrick Mahomes, he's love the face. All. He's the face of the NFL yes. right now. Yes, but right it's just so. the right now. Cincinnati has that number, man. You know, and it, and it's going to be difficult. But if if your guys up front, you know, Jones. Clark, if they come to play, that that's the game changer. As you as you stated earlier, it's all about 
up front, right? Offensively, offensively, defensively, can you get after that quarterback? Can they get after Joe Burrow? Can those quarter cornerbacks, that secondary, can they hold up in coverage? Jamar Chase, right? You know, hey, Mr. Higgins maybe maybe the, the chat. The top wide receiver in the National Football League. Boyd, Tyler Boyd, right? Just weapons. Mr. Hurst. Right? Just weapons on top of weapons on top of weapons. Mr. Piron. You know, hey, it's a tough task. It's a tall task to try to chop down that tree. Mr. Mixon. But anything is anything is possible. Anything is possible. I have a question for you, Mom. <laughs> Shoot. You're the only one that's been out in the trenches, out on the field of the three of us. The three and O thing. That wouldn't matter to you. That that's not you're not that you're not holding that to heart as a player. If anything, it's motivating you, right? You're not using it. It's as in the a, back of your mind. Okay. It's in the back of your no, it's not at the forefront. But that's where I say when you get into those same scenarios, whatever the mixture of, you know, um interactions throughout a game that led to things going the wrong direction. If 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 it was a penalty, if you know, just a momentum shift and you start to encounter those same scenarios again. That's when it can start to creep to the sure. forefront, and that's just natural. That's being right. a that's being, being a, human a human being. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, yeah. that's just human human behavior. We can't sure. get past that. You know, yeah. Jimmy Cook, we're gonna lay off you for a minute. I appreciate you being the, uh, the Jacoby. The, the we love we love the, we the passion. That was, that was Jacoby uncalled. one was cold. That was unnecessary. That was Jimmy has that passion. Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack, shout out to you wherever you are today. That is a ringing endorsement from an opposing defensive coordinator just now a day and a half ahead of the biggest game of the season. Let's call it two days. It's the night game Sunday. Chiefs, Bengals, it's essentially a pick em. Marlon Jackson, there have only been seven home underdogs in a conference championship game on either side of the bracket since 2004. This is a rarity yeah. where the home team isn't a clear-cut favorite, and we're going to check in on what the scene is right now at Arrowhead. Jeremy Roush, Fox 19, in Cincinnati, on the road with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Jeremy, last week, this Bengals team had a little bulletin board material with the help of the NFL with the ticket situation with the potential neutral game, uh, AFC title game. Now you have... a. a a quote courtesy of a Chiefs linebacker. Bring me into that story and how it's uh, affected this week. So, Charlie, right now I'm sitting inside the press box uh, inside Arrowhead Stadium as they paint the field for Sunday's game. And we're talking with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey here shortly. But yesterday we are on the drive from Cincinnati to Kansas City. And, and Joe Danham and my coworker, myself, were actually talking about how this is kind of nice, right? Like we're, we're going to go into a game without any – I don't want to call it fake motivation, but, you know, um, <laughs> certainly the Bengals have used different things to motivate themselves, and not all of them have been all that realistic. It's just what athletes do. And so sure. we're talking about, hey, it's a big game. Everything lines up right. Both these teams respect each other. Should be a fun week. And then, and then <laughs> Willie Gay, the Chiefs linebacker, talks with local media, who I actually asked some local media here about that. He said he, he talked for maybe one minute. What you saw was what Willie Gay said. And the thing that he said that really fired up Bengals players already and Bengals fans is he was asked, you know, what impresses you about the Bengals offense? And Willie Gay, the Chiefs linebacker, said nothing. Then he leaned into the mic and said nothing. And so Ooh, here is double a down. Chiefs team 
Here is a Chiefs team who is 0-3 against Joe Burrow in the last 13 months, and they are on the precipice of potentially being 0-4 if their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, cannot lift them out of that spot that they're in right now on Sunday with a, let's face it, a bum ankle. We know he's been full go at practice, but he said he won't know until Sunday if he is fully ready to take on this task. And so I just think it's an interesting strategy. The Bengals, for the most part, have not responded to what Willie Gay said, which is probably good on their end. But Mm -hmm. I don't know why that Willie Gay is is adding fuel to the fire here. Marlon Jackson, pregame warm-ups will be underway around 3 o'clock Central Time at Kansas City. If you're an opposing player, will you will you seek out Willie Gay to nah to do anything? I think, I think it's just going to be motivation on the field. I think mean, I think those guys. And I mean, there's just going to be some jawjacking, right? <laughs> there's going to be some talking, going back and forth. But I think that's more motivation to go out there and make it four, right? Fair, you know, fair. right? I, I think that's all the fuel to the fire that they need in Cincinnati and, and Jeremy's. Uh, you know, with the perspective that you have in covering the Bengals. I was wondering if you could shed a little light for us here in Indianapolis around the culture, the climate of the organization, the players, the coaches. What is the feel, the vibe of covering this this team and being around them and how they relate to one another? Well, the only thing I can tell you is that it is one of the most impressive things I have seen in working in TV in 15 years and now covering the NFL for uh, almost 10 years or so, what Zach Taylor has done with that culture. And I know from the outside looking in, people are seeing the Bengals now as they have created back-to-back years of winning in Cincinnati as a bit of a cocky team, the way they operate, the things they say, some of the sound bites you will see. I, I can just tell you that the-, the culture Zach Taylor has created is nothing short of amazing. And he has done it building really from the ground up in so many ways since he came here in 2019. And his plan and his goal and his mission was to draft captains draft leaders obviously you want to draft talent that starts with duke tobin the pseudo gm inside the Bengals organization but drafting captains and leaders and guys who can come into the locker room and help lead this organization to where they are now and that is across the board with his coaching staff i mean it's something that permeates throughout the entire building and it's impressive the way zach taylor carries himself how he responds to media how he works with media um, and how tight that team is and how much they believe and what they are doing how much they prepare every single week. It's honestly, it's, it's one of the most impressive things I have seen working in this business now 15 years. Jeremy Roush from Fox 19 in Cincinnati, kind enough to join us on the road at Arrowhead Stadium ahead of the AFC Championship game. Jeremy, who is Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator for the Bengals? A quick correction on my end. Yesterday, I was mentioning, okay, Zach Taylor calls the plays, Callahan calls the plays. No, it's clear. Taylor calls the plays, but it sounds like there is plenty of teamwork that goes on there. He is very much a candidate here to be at a podium as early as late next week, potentially, if the Bengals do fall to the Chiefs as the next head coach. Who is this man? He's a very bright NFL mind, Charlie. He is, and you're right, He's he does not call the plays. But early in the season when the Bengals were struggling, they started out 0-2. There was a lot of questioning around Zach Taylor's play calling, and there were questions directed at Zach Taylor wondering if he might give up play calling. Hmm. One thing that Zach said back then that I think gives you an insight into how much Brian Callahan is involved with the offense is Zach Taylor said, it's not just me calling the plays. Certainly I'm the one that actually tells the team what to do. I'm on the mic doing that. But he said, collaboratively, we are all talking about what kind of play we're going to use, how we're going to approach it. And that is me. That's Brian Callahan. So Brian Callahan is very much involved in that process. 
And he is, if, if you have a chance to sit down and talk with him, or if he is the guy in Indianapolis, right, if he becomes the head coach, mm-hmm. it's so cliche to have the, well, the coach won the press conference. He is the ultimate win the press conference kind of coach. He will impress you with what he says, how he operates, how he talks about the team. Um, and not just that, he is very inventive in the way that he approaches football as an offensive mind. Uh, he's a guy that is just, I mean, first of all, he's fantastic to be around. The players love him, but he is a bright mind. I can't say it enough. And he's a guy that I think would really infuse a lot of life into an organization and certainly one there in Indy who needs some offensive life. <laughs> I was like, sold. Look, hey, look, I'm 90 minutes down the road. I'm watching it. I picked Jonathan Taylor in fantasy football and I'm bumming all year long. Like they need, they need to be forward thinking. That's, that's where the NFL is right now. And I'm telling you, people are upset that Louie Anarumo, the defensive coordinator with the Bengals is not getting looks. He's mm-hmm. an older guy in a defensive mind and he's great, but the NFL wants more Zach Taylor's. They want guys like Brian Callahan, and he certainly fits that mold. So it, it sounds like, and us tracking this, right, and things that we've heard are measurables that they're looking at, vision, leadership, experience, and it seems like all those boxes are checked there And when we're speaking about Brian Callahan. And I will, ask, I will follow up asking, so this weekend you followed obviously very closely the Bengals, understanding that, right, 3-0, three, three and oh, um, here recently against the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think are the keys to success for this weekend? The Bengals win if they do what? Hmm. I'm going to keep it simple. It's It's been the key factor for this team in the playoffs. The Bengals win if they win the turnover battle. That's what they have done. This, I mean, there's a lot of love for Joe Burrow, and you can look at the stats from Joe Burrow even against the Chiefs in December in Cincinnati. It was, I think, his best game as a pro, 25 of 31. 286 yards, 25 of 31. There were a couple of drops there. 286 yards, efficient touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown, which is incredible for a quarterback line. But this Bengals defense now, in seven straight games, has forced a fourth-quarter turnover. In six playoff games going back to last year, 12 turnovers forced. That includes two against Patrick Mahomes last year, one of them that helped the Bengals ice it here in the AFC title game. And so I think, to me, that is what it comes down to because I'm not so sure that Patrick Mahomes is going to be himself on Sunday. I think at times he's going to press. I think when he throws at times, it won't be as comfortable as it has been for him. He may not be coming with as much uh, energy, as much force, velocity off that back foot when he throws, um, considering his injury right now. I think that's going to play a factor. The Bengals like to mix things up, to disguise things, to try to confuse him. And they certainly have done that the last three times they've played them. So as good as Joe Burrow might be, I think he will be good. I think it's going to come down to if the Bengals do win that turnover battle. And he's not going to get any help, Jeremy Roush, Patrick Mahomes, that is, with the weather. What's the latest forecast? And has the fact that Joe Burrow is apparently 7-0 and in games that kick off lower than 40 degrees, has that been a talking point around this matchup? I think it became a, topic, a talking point in Buffalo when we were talking about that stat and Joe Burrow and who okay. he is in cold weather. And, and, then, and then he does what he did in the snow, which, which, by the way, you know, you guys have been on the sideline before, right? You know the NFL. One of those balls that Joe Burrow threw uh, was overthrown. It came rolling down the sideline. I picked up the ball to hand it to the ball, um, the ball girl there, and I was, I was holding a football thinking, how does any quarterback <laughs> grab this snowy, freezing, cold, wet football 
and throw it with accuracy. It's impressive what he has been able to do. He said he loves playing in the snow. But as for Sunday night in this game, it is going to be another one of those games. It's going to be based on what our guys at Fox 19 now, our meteorologists telling us uh, right now. It's going to be, I think, 21 Good plug. Good plug. It's going to be, yeah, you know, plug the brand. They say it's going to be 21 at kickoff, right? It's going to get down to around 15 to 17 degrees by Ooh. the end of the game. And at times with the wind gusts, it's going to feel like 5 to 15 degrees. Ooh. So it's going to be Ooh. – Bitterly cold, and Bengals fans are already latching onto this, and this is just hilarious. You guys will laugh at this. The Bengals have decided to, in Cincinnati, practice outdoors the last two days while the Chiefs use their nice, warm indoor oh. So, you know, like it's one of those things already, man. Like, hey, you practice indoors, that's cool. We'll stay outside. That's how we like it. So it's, it's going to be really, really cold, guys. Marlon, I would like to go back to, uh, you know, Jeremy, no, I promised you we would wrap it up. You need to go get to your press conference. Jeremy Roush at Fox 19. Jeremy, give him a follow on Twitter for continued coverage of the AFC Championship game this weekend. Jeremy, appreciate you coming on on short notice, all right? You guys are the best. Let's do it again. Um, you know, if, if things continue, uh-huh. I see what up. you're saying here. I see what you're getting at. No, <laughs> good luck. Enjoy it, and we'll be watching. Thanks, guys. Welcome back into the Drive Hubler studio. Marlon Jackson's here. Charlie Clifford. Marlon, it's been fun riding shotgun next to you the last two days. We've had plenty to talk to, too. Uh, right now in the the world of sports and Colts, Pacers, IU, Purdue, so much to cover. It never sleeps. The Hoosier State, we march on. It's a privilege to be up here. And right now it's it's an honor to revisit one of the more fun stories around here over the past two decades that now has a new twist. Last Saturday afternoon, Detroit Mercy rolled into IUPUI, came out with the win, and in the process, former IU head coach Mike Davis's Little son who was tracing around the 0-2 Final Four team all the way to the national championship game, Antoine, scored 42 and in the process became the second leading scorer in the history of the NCAA right now in the mower shop from Fisher's Hotline. Mike Davis back on the airwaves in Indianapolis. Coach Davis, the game ends last Saturday. You look at your phone, I'm sure you step out into the hallway to see some folks potentially who came in to check on this story. What was the reaction to Antoine moving to number two in all places, Indianapolis, Indiana? Well, people were excited uh, about it because it's something that, that hadn't happened in a long, long, long time. You know, Mr. Pete and Freeman Williams has, has owned the top two spots for, for, for years. And for him to be able to surprise Freeman Williams is – is definitely a big-time honor and blessing. Coach Davis, I had the privilege of watching you and AC over at Wish TV chop it up, catching up on old times before we did a piece for Wish last week. The the ties you still have to the Hoosier State, please explain those to folks back here who are hearing your voice for the first time in a little while. Well, you know, that was, that was uh, my first head job, first Power 5 assistant job. Uh, uh, and, you know, I still talk to a lot of people back there. I, I still, uh, Pastor Johnson, who's uh, the pastor of Eastern Star Baptist Church, he and I, we communicate a lot. You know, Don Fisher and I communicate a lot. Uh, I can just go on and on and on uh, about the people. And Antoine was born in Indiana. He was born in Bloomington, uh, Indiana, when I was there as the uh, assistant coach. 
And so the Indiana uh, ties run deep for, for me and my family. That's awesome. That's awesome, Coach. I, you might you may know my my wife Nikki, formerly Nikki Hill, worked in the basketball office. I think while you were while you were there at IU, um, so some ties some ties there. But you know, just um, you know the experience that you had in coaching your son and seeing his success from the standpoint of being a father. What does that feel like to to witness and to support your child in in reaching their goals and dreams? And what's the experience been like? Well, it's been a great experience because from day one, uh, he was cut off his seventh grade basketball team in Birmingham. <laughs> and so uh, I got a chance to really work with him. And we, we, we started from the ground up. And he used to watch, funny thing, he, he used to watch Pistol Pete. I think everybody watched Pistol Pete uh, video <laughs> uh, tapes back in the day. And uh, I think that's probably the best teaching video I've ever seen because the way he explained it, everybody could do it. Like everybody, if you weren't even a good basketball player, after you watched that video, you know, watched it over and over and over again, then you could repeat some of the drills and some of the things that he could do uh, on the video. But uh, just to see the work he's put in, and and people don't believe and understand how much work is taking him. And I've never, you know, there there's a lot of great workers out there, but I've never had one person that worked like he worked you know i know there's greatness with you know lebron and kobe and all those guys the way they work because they wouldn't be who they are steph curry and those guys but i witnessed my own eyes the things i put him through uh the things he had to do to, to, to improve his skill set you know just think about it now. he scored 83 points over two games and only took <laughs> <Yeah>. two free throws <laughs> That's wow. nuts. that's a lot of shooting but in an efficient efficiency, in an efficient say, efficiency. yes yeah, and 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 he's put the work in. Like I said, the most shots in one day was ten thousand shots in one day. Uh, we've taken thirty thousand shots a week in six days. We've done it eighteen different times where we really kept track. I used to have these little note cards. <laughs> where every time he took a hundred shots, I write a hundred, 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 and I remember keeping all those note cards and 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 showing people, and they were like, "Wow, that's unbelievable." You know, see somebody work like that, but it's paid off, and he's prepared for everything that he's been. I mean, who, who you know got eighty three points with two free throws? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're looking yeah. at each other. There's nobody, yeah. coach. And so, <laughs> with, with that experience that you guys have had together, is that something that you communicate to your team, right? In, in terms of like the process, and you can't skip the process in order to reach success. Well, you communicate it with everyone that you know, but most people don't understand because it's so hard. You know, it it took me reading and, 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 and researching uh, Michael Phelps when he went five straight years and only missed three days of practice in five years. And those three days were because he took off. Two of them was because of a blizzard where he couldn't, he couldn't get to the gym. And one day was because he went to the dentist. Uh, and so we always uh, take days off, days off, weekends off. I, I remember uh, after I read that, uh, we, we used to go play AAU ball on the weekend, and most most players who play AAU ball on the weekend they come off and take Monday and Tuesday off because they've had a weekend of basketball. Well, by, by understanding what Michael Phelps did, we never took off. Even when we went to our basketball events on the AAU in the weekend, I would always find him a gym to get his shots up at six, five, six o'clock in the morning uh, because I really didn't care about the weekend from the game standpoint. I want him not to miss the work that he was used to doing it every single day. 
Coach Davis, Mike Davis, former IU head coach, now at Detroit Mercy. Detroit Mercy at Robert Morris tonight. Coach, sincerely appreciate you taking a little time here on a game day. Look, there are plenty of folks around here who look at your career trajectory. You start at IU, you take over during such a tumultuous time. You wade through, only you know, Coach, what it took to get that team to be that successful so early in 2002. You go to UAB. Texas Southern, Detroit Mercy, you have continued to grind, and now you're being rewarded with a story like this, your own kin becoming the second leading scorer, now chasing Pistol Pete. It still could happen. Your thoughts on your full circle as a coach, as a man, as a dad, what would you tell people back home here in Indiana? Well, the full circle that I had taught me so much. You know, and I've had so many really good players in my day. I've had guys that have gotten better over the years. I've coached them. Uh, the jobs I've had, really tough jobs like Indiana uh, was a great job. You know, when I went to Texas Southern Detroit, these are really difficult, hard jobs because of the resources. Uh, but, you know, it's a part of life. It's a part of life, and you have to try to figure a way out all the time to try to to get better, improve your team, and also improve yourself first. And so with all the experiences that I've had as a basketball coach, you know, I have plenty of information and conversation uh, for my players and for up-and-coming coaches as well. Mike, was there ever a point where you were closer to quitting than ever, looking back at your journey with all the ups and downs? I think quitting crosses a lot of coaches' mind all the time. <laughs> you know, that's one thing because, you know, you're dealing with young people and you you have to have their cooperation, their full cooperation to be really successful. A lot of times you never get their cooperation and they don't realize sometimes after they've been... Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection, you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. In the real world for three, four, five years, many understand, but we are in a, a, a occupation where you want them to understand why they're with you because if they understand why they're with you, it'll make it much easier, even though it's going to be tougher, regardless of what you're doing. It's going to be really tough, but uh, the, 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 the quitting part definitely crossed your mind because of that factor in it. It's not the winning and losing. It's mm-hmm. just getting this the young people to understand what you're saying. It's like having your own kid when you try to explain something to you know what's waiting on them. Like the reason Antoine and I put so much work in because I knew what kind of defense and knew what kind of players were waiting on him, you know, as he got better as a basketball player. And, and that's the message I'll be trying to pass along to my players. It's what's waiting on you on a real job where you have to be working on time when the boss right. is not <laughs> you got to stop feeling you got to really produce all the time to keep that job. So, Coach, I will follow that up with, so what's what's kept you going? 
hmm. right? Through hmm. through the ups and downs, through the difficulty, through those moments of of doubting, what has been that internal force that's made you continue to push forward? You know, again, you go back, and, and I think there's nothing wrong with communicating with friends and people, but you have to study up on greatness. And when you study up on great people, you realize what they went through, like what they actually went through, because their story is a true story of what they went through and look where they are now. But sometimes we have, uh, i give you an example. My oldest son was playing basketball. I just started working with him. And one, one of my friends said, hey, don't worry about it. Don't push him too hard. You know, he has your DNA, so he's going to be good no matter what. And you <laughs> that. But that's the conversation he gave me. And as I started thinking about it over the years, it was like, hey, Jim Brown was the greatest football player ever. He had kids. Uh, career through Jabbar was a great basketball player. He has kids. So you start talking about their DNA and, 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 and you're getting information from the wrong people about the wrong things. And, 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 and you have to study up on the great, great, great. And when you read their story, every single one of them, every single one of them had a struggle, struggle, struggle on top of struggle. But this is what they did to to accomplish what they accomplished. They, they put hours and time and time and time and they focused on the process more than the outcome of anything. And when you can focus on the process more than the outcome, then you got a chance to be successful at the end because the the process is the most important thing. And when you communicate with the wrong people and they catch you in the wrong state of emotion, then you can make bad decisions based on that. So I really listen to what Michael Phelps is saying. that mm-hmm. some parents saying, don't push your kids. You know, let them come to you, tell you uh, that they love it. Uh, because once they come to you, but it, it, it may come to you years after years has passed by, and that may be not enough time for them to be able to accomplish a certain skill set in a certain time. Indianapolis, the familiar voice you're listening to is Mike Davis, now the head coach of Detroit Mercy. His son, Antoine, now the NCAA's second all-time leading scorer. He's chasing Pistol Pete down. Marlon Jackson, you're a young father. You've listened to Mike Davis's <laughs> advice. I'm over shaking my head. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You seem to be clicking here with Coach Davis. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, I, I hope to be in a position that he is in right now where you've you've sown seeds into your children and then you start to see those things take shape and start to bloom. You know, um, I'm in the early process of now just investing that time and, and to hear – with coach and his perspective and his wise words, you know, of, of the process and, and being an athlete, that's what we, we learn. You know, you hope that we athletes learn is that it's about the process to get to the outcome that you want to achieve. And, you know, I just appreciate coach you being very open and honest and forthright and sharing what your experience has been. And I also was thinking as you were talking, like when that time that you saw it click where it wasn't about you motivating yourself, Son, but it was your son's intrinsic motivation that was directing him. And this gonna blow you away because most people don't believe it. Uh, it was it was after his freshman year when he broke Steph Curry record. He realized, hmm. that, hey, wow, I am okay because this is what happens. You know, people always say you have to love, 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 love something. And how many people think they love something, but mm-hmm. they don't love it, but they care a lot about it. It's not about the love that you have; it's about doing it right. You know, as a basketball player, it's about doing it right, uh, doing it right, doing it right over and over and over again until you can't do it wrong anymore. That, that's become who you are, you know. And and another thing about Antoine was 
you know, the, the book I read talked about having a windshield, and the windshield are the people that that's similar to you, but they're the best in what they do. And his windshield was Steve Nash because he's a smaller guard, um, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Mark Mouvadou, Raul, uh, Lou Williams. He had he had windshields that he focused, and I focused on those people, gave him videos of those people. You remember when Kobe Bryant uh, uh, emulated Michael Jordan and everything? Sure. That's what I, that, that, that's what I did with Antoine. So our information wasn't coming from Joe and John. Our information was coming with actually Steve uh, Nash was doing and what Mark Moore was doing. And I, and I had the blessing and the opportunity to even have a conversation with, with those guys and found out what they were doing and communicated with those guys. And I, I was able to send videos to those very guys, his windshield, and get feedback from them. And so, you know, so many parents are emotional. So many fans, friends are emotional. But if you want to, if if you think your son, a, a, a young daughter, is going to be really good at something, then it's up to you and us to make sure that we make that that the best version of them. And how can we make that the best version of them unless we go to a windshield that they have and do everything that they did to become who they are as a, as a player? Mike Davis has lived it, and now he is watching it unfold. On a nightly basis, again, Detroit very much in the mix, climbing in the Horizon League. We hope, Coach, to see you back here at IUPY. I would like to close with this. You've mentioned greatness, what it takes to get to where you want to go in life. You were seated one seat down for three seasons at IU next to Bob Knight. As you look back at the complexity of that man and that coach, do you have a different view in 2023 of your time next to Coach Knight than you did, uh, you know, decades ago. How has that evolved as you've evolved? Well, people ask me all the time, what was it like working for Coach Knight? And I can remember, you know, doing games, like doing scout for a game. It was my my scout. The coach used to have us go out there. We couldn't have any paper with us. We couldn't have any information (laughs) on us where we could read. You have to to know it. And so in order for you to know an, an, an opponent, you had to study hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of film. And that's one of the things also that that was able for me to understand what Antoine needed to do. You know, the, the preparation uh, 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 equal opportunity, equal success, but the preparation part is overlooked. And he showed me how to really scout games and really prepare for opponents. If there's something you wish you had an answer to from Coach Knight, is is there something still on your mind all these years later, or where does that stand, Coach? Uh, nothing. I mean, I'm just thankful that I was there, and thankful that you know I had the opportunity to work with one of the best, greatest coaches in the history of of college basketball. Thankful that I was work, I able to work one of the greatest programs in in the history of college basketball. And like I said, as a kid, if you had told me. Uh, that I would have been a head coach in Indiana, never would believe it, you know. <laughs> and so I was able to do that, and that is the reason that my name was in was was where it was in the coaching profession. And I'm able to be the head coach at UAB, the head coach at Texas Southern, and the head coach at Detroit. Not one of not one job I take for granted because I know the reason I was I was appointed to those jobs because of my success of being at Indiana University as a head coach. Mike Davis, it's been a long ride since Miles College in Fairfield, Alabama. We congratulate you on all the success, and myself and Marlon Jackson will be rooting for you, Antoine, in Detroit the rest of the way, all right? 
I appreciate you brought back some great memories when you said Miles Cowers. I remember those rides. That was before Venezuela, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've been everywhere, Coach. You uh, continue to inspire, and I think we're looking at each other. We've had some great interviews over the past two days. Uh, You've left us all with more knowledge than we walked into with, so thank you very much. I appreciate that. It was a great piece you did on Antoine, too. A really nice piece. You got it. it. You, You thank AC for that one. Good to catch up. All right, thank you. I'll take care now. Good luck. Take care. We're going back to the Mower Shop and Fishers hotline right now. A pivot to a sad story in college basketball. Billy Packer has passed away, one of the most legendary analysts in the history of college basketball, a long run uh, across national airwaves. Tim Brando, who also has similar accolades in terms of knowing the national scene and a play-by-play role for the past two-plus decades. Tim, I really appreciate you taking the time on short notice on a Friday to put proper perspective first on Mr. Packer. We certainly want your thoughts on what's been a very exciting basketball season here in the Hoosier State. But first, your friend and colleague who passed yesterday. Thanks, uh, Charlie and Marlon. I appreciate the time, and I appreciate you making me a little bit younger. Uh, I've been at this for five <laughs> decades, but but you you probably only been around for two decades. But You're right it. about that. I rounded yeah. down. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. Uh, you know the time uh, the time uh, that we spend uh, in the in this life. Uh, is is one that you know we identify with, and uh, that's all that we remember. And in a lot of ways, I was probably about your age, if not younger, when I first came uh, across Billy Packer, uh, working college basketball games with the great Dick Enberg and the great Al McGuire, mm. uh, both of whom uh, were legends and and icons in the industry. And and Dick was someone I aspired to be, and Al and Billy were two guys I aspired to one day work with. And I'm, I'm proud to say that I, I, I did become colleagues of all three, and that I um, was mentored uh, by by Inberg, uh, as well as his predecessor Kurt Gowdy. Yep. And yep. I had the honor of working with uh, Billy and also with Al McGuire um, while at CBS when they were in the autumns of of their careers and. It was um, a real thrill and an honor uh, for, for me with Billy. And I think the thing that we all need to remember as basketball fans, uh, college basketball fans and yes. television, the thing that we have to remember is that Billy uh, wasn't just a, a TV basketball analyst. He was a curator of the entire sport. He was a, um, uh, a businessman that, that network executives needed to lean on when college basketball became finally popular enough to put on national television, uh, the television executives uh, in New York at NBC and, and then later at CBS knew that they could not get into the college basketball business without having Billy Packer. Wow. Not just because of his expertise as an analyst, but because of his business acumen and his uh, contacts within the industry of college basketball to help get athletic directors of certain schools and coaches of certain schools to commit to playing games that were made for TV. And, wow. and Billy, Billy was, in, in a lot of ways, a programming executive for college basketball as well as the lead analyst for college basketball. <laughs> and no one, no one else in any industry, no, no one else in any sport uh, that I know of, 
had that kind of, of, uh, of power. And, you know, he didn't make much of it. Uh, he actually had an all shucks, uh, don't, don't give me credit for that mentality and attitude. Mm-hmm. But the, the matter is, uh, the final fours that you remember watching and the big Saturday games that I grew up watching were games that, that in a lot of respects, Billy helped coordinate to be actually televised. So uh, it, 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 we'll never see the likes of him again, uh, not just in college basketball, but in any sport. Go Tim, ahead, Mark. Tim, I would, I, would, I would ask you, what exactly you know, was it that made Billy special, and what do you think he will be remembered for the most? Well, I mentioned all the things there that, that, that I thought separated him uh, at that particular time in the evolution of college basketball being televised. I think as a broadcaster, specifically as a broadcaster, someone that um, uh, in his early days felt like he improved as a play-by-play guy because I was merely in his presence. He was a no-nonsense, I-don't-care-who's-playing, I'm-going-to-see-what-I-see <laughs> guy. You know, he he played at Wake Forest and was a great player. He was an All-America on teams that made it to the Final Four. He played with Lenny Ch- the great Lenny Chapel uh, in the late fifties and early sixties. Plays played for Bones McKinney, and and just as games were being televised in a syndicated manner in the ACC, uh, the entrepreneur that started a syndicated network called at that time CD Chesley Network it morphed into Jefferson Pilot and Raycom. That was the first regularly televised regional network for wow. college basketball. Wow. And Billy, because he turned down North Carolina as a high school player, uh, <laughs> and North Carolina was the big the big kahuna in the ACC, <laughs> sure. their fan base hated him. Their fan base <laughs> hated him. And, and that never ended. You know, I worked, uh, I, I can't tell you how many Duke-North Carolina games I did with Billy uh, until he decided to step away from the mic in 2008, at least a half dozen, before I started working those games with Mike Jaminski and, and Dan Bonner. I did 20 of the Duke-Carolina Battles of the Blues for Raycom, and he was without question the most vilified. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, I never had to worry about being the, the villain when I worked with Billy because the fans of North Carolina always thought, and really every other team in the ACC besides Wake Forest yeah. thought he was a bad guy. And, and the sad part, or kind of ironic part, which kind of ties in today's uh, social media, outside the ACC, everybody else in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, everybody, the SEC, they hated Billy because they thought he was such an ACC hawk. <laughs> he, you know? he was losing both ways. He, he, he actually loved it. Uh, the more they hated on him, uh, the more inspired he was to be great. Uh, and he was. But his his say-what-I-see mentality was something that I adopted uh, as a play-by-play guy. And I had been raised to uh, to not care about who won, to mm-hmm. never root for a team. Uh, to, but you can meet people and you can like people or, or dislike them. And if you prefer to uh, talk about the people you like in a in a way that, makes people understand that you believe in them, you can, you can do that. Uh, but, but fans will always interpret that as, oh, my God, he likes that guy, so he must hate our guy. It's uh, <laughs> classic. But, but, but that's the thing, you know, with, with Dick and, and Al, I think you'll be most remembered, as, as both Al McGuire and Dick Inberg are, as being part of the best three-man broadcast team in the history of sports television, period. Now, and, yeah. and, and trust me, 
I know that means encompassing Monday night football right. Right. as well, which, you know, if you go back to the beginning with Keith Jackson, Dandy Don, and, and uh, Howard, and you update it to Frank and Dandy Don and Howard, that, that, that's probably a more popular trio because of the sport they were covering. But look, as a pure broadcast with a play-by-play man that was uh, uh, at the very top of his game, and a charismatic sort of basketball flower child coach who had won a national title like Al McGuire, to have a guy like Billy, who, who really knew more than either one of those guys, yeah. and Billy sort of played the role of the, well, uh, okay, uh, Al's colorful, Dick is a dignified pro, <laughs> Billy's kind of the pot stirrer and the people that piss people off. Right. Uh, that's made for a great threesome and a great broadcast, and I think that's you know, they stopped working games together when CBS got the contract away from NBC in 1982. Okay. Now, that's, that's 41 years ago, 41 years ago. And yet people in our business still talk about how great they all were together. Tim Brando, our guest on the Motor Shop from Fisher's Hotline. Tim, somewhere up there this afternoon, it's it's Billy Packard and Howard Cosell with probably a scotch apiece debating who had the best three man booth of all time. I did. If we could, if we could yeah. pull up a chair to that conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the uh, I guess the the glory in all this. I I, I was hurting uh, last night a lot yeah. when I got to is because I talked to Billy. We've been thinking about you a lot. We did a syndicated radio show together on a daily basis that helped morph me into the to the Tim Brando show that you, you listened to on Sporting News and later on Sirius, and, and CBS even televised it for a couple of years uh, in the, uh, you know, in the mid-2000s. And, and it really all began because Billy wanted to do this show, and, and he had a piece of that company that was syndicating this radio show. And I, I did it for a couple of hours a night just as, uh, you know, for fun. Uh, and then it morphed into a second career in, in, in radio again for me, which lasted for about 15 years. Uh, Bill, Billy was an entrepreneur and tycoon in a lot of ways. He had business dealings in real estate uh, and in the, in, the, in the media business. Uh, and I think a lot of times he intimidated people because he had such power, not just <laughs> on the air. Yeah. Sure. Suits get scared of guys on the air that, have as much business sense as they do. Or, yeah. or they do. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so much history, rich history there between the two of you, and it just leads me to wonder just the key lessons. Like if, if you, as you move forward, the key lessons that you're going to take forward from you that were imparted from your friend. I think in a lot of ways, uh, Marlon, it would be that um, uh, you know don't kiss anyone's ass. <laughs> you know because this business because billy pointed that out to me he says i know you've been kissing a lot of people's butts to get where you did as soon as you did he said but but you're good enough now just do your job you know yeah. just enjoy what you do yeah. and be grateful for that job and and uh, and and pour into the job as best you can and and also help others you know billy helped a lot of young broadcasters you know uh, Dan Bonner, who was a, uh, you know, like number two guy off the bench on a Virginia team that won a, uh, a conference title uh, in the mid-70s, became a broadcaster because of Billy. And Dan's still out there with Reggie Miller working the NCAA tournament with Kevin Harlan uh, on CBS and Turner. Uh, he owes his career to Billy. And, and a lot of other guys in our business 
were were mentored and tutored to some extent uh, by Billy Packer. And I, I try to do that, um, as Kurt Gowdy and, and Enberg did with me and Billy did with me. I know I'm a better broadcaster, more matter of fact, and uh, cut to the chase when I'm calling a game because I had the chance to work with Billy and, and see how he, he went about the task of doing what he did. But uh, the advice that I got, and I think the thing that I take with me now, is to just uh, be grateful and live more in the moment. Don't worry so much about what's ahead. I tell young broadcasters this mm-hmm. all the time. We, we, the best part of what we do is the journey, the path. Yeah. The journey is the best part. You'll see that on many of my tweets and a lot of my Instagram posts. The journey is the best part. So don't get caught up you know, with your goals, because we all start with big goals. We want to get, we want to get to this by the time we're 30 to that by the time we're 40 and so on. You get caught up in that and you'll forget, you know, how great it is to be in the here and now and to do what you do because so many people would love to do it. Tim Brando, I appreciate you saying that as a young broadcaster. And I know many of my colleagues who we have, you know, similar conversations about, that's just mm-hmm. refreshing advice and a great reminder uh, to stay the course. And uh, yeah. I, I appreciate you bringing us that knowledge here on a great Friday afternoon in Indianapolis. We would like to cl- quickly close with this. We have been riding the wave of not only Purdue to number one, but also the resurgence for IU. A quick thought on each program as February arrives, and it looks like for the first time in some time, Mr. Brando, Both IU and Purdue are going to make a little noise in the Big Ten. Yeah. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Yeah, absolutely. And and let me say this about uh, I've not seen uh, either this year with my own eyes. Last year I saw a ton. Uh, that kid Benetti lives in Chicago. He's eating <laughs> up all my Big Ten appearances. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will see uh, I will see Ohio State uh, in a couple of weeks in Columbus uh, in the Big Ten. Good. Uh, it's a really good Northwestern team, which by the way could make the tournament for Chris Collins. You're the, right. The, the league is so good. I mean, the Big Ten is. It's so good. I, the last time I saw the Boilers, uh, it was at home against Michigan late last year. And, you know, they don't have the Travion Williams compliment to to Zach Eady. But Zach is better for having had that yeah. when he did. And now you see uh, the end result of, of his being able to take on all those minutes that, that I don't know that he could have taken on last year. And when, when Michigan State chose not to double him at Breslin a few weeks back, uh, you know, Izzo, one of the great coaches, <laughs> said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll let Edie get his. Uh, he can't beat us by himself. Well, <laughs> 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 he sort of did. 
And and I think that that sent a message to every scouting report within the Big Ten. And, of course, you got um, the great outside shooters to go with him. Uh, and the thing about Zach is he's so good at passing when he is doubled. You know, it's yeah. like pick your question. So his ability to pass out of the post has made him great. And for Indiana, wasn't it just like maybe two weeks ago in the Indianapolis Star, I saw the headline, I was in Indianapolis thinking <laughs> I was going on a campaign to do a game with Illinois. And my bosses called me and said, Gus Johnson's sick. We need you out here at UCLA. So oh, gosh. I, didn't see, I didn't get to see the game between uh, – that was the uh, Illinois, Illinois. Yes, Illinois and Indiana, Indiana, yes. Illinois and Indiana. So I was going to have that game, and uh, and I missed it. So, But my point to you is, is this. When you look at, at those teams and you see uh, the, sometimes the overreaction – especially by our friends in the print media at the Indy Star, the headline reads, <laughs> Seat on the Brink. Huh? Wait a minute. Wasn't that a book written about Feinstein nine? out here? Yeah. Where's, <laughs> yeah, where's John? The headline writer decided no, I, to plagiarize John Feinstein. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the Shots brink. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, I don't. Did Coach Knight come back to uh, well, you know, be a special assistant? I'm, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but this is what happens in college basketball. During the regular season, yeah. teams evolve, and if they yeah. lose a player for a couple of days, doesn't matter who it is, could be a complimentary player. It can screw everything up. Trace Jackson Davis is a constant. Yes, in a lot of ways, you should I think thank the NIL for for Trace Jackson Davis being at this level. Sure, just as Kentucky can thank uh, NIL for having Oscar Shibway. Right. The the bottom line is Indiana is evolving. And what had to evolve this year for Mike Woodson was his defense. His defense was struggling. And that's why I think so many fans and, and uh, uh, Twitter alarmists, a.k.a. message boards uh, nuts that, that don't know any better, <laughs> thought, thought that the, you know, the season was over when it was not. So uh, that's the thing to remember as, as we move forward, you know, going into the latter part of February and, um, and into March. It's, you know, this <laughs> – this year, we got 30 teams that could make the Final Four, and of those 30, probably 10 to 15 could win it all. In tr- I mean, that's really what we've got. Tim Brando, in in true Billy Packer form, we will somehow get one of the crazier Final Fours, I'm sure, that we've seen in recent years. Thank you so much for taking the time. Looking forward to watching here on Fox Sports yeah. soon. Yeah, and by the way, those Butler Bulldog fans, don't worry. The Cavalry's coming. I, yep. Thad's going to get it done in his second act. I, I know. I I know my Patience. good buddy, uh, Barry Collier, will love to hear that. Thank you to Tim Brando. We need to take a quick timeout. We're back after this. 